turn to you. We ask that through your Holy Spirit you will grant us an understanding this night. That there will be a word, a thought, a sentence that's just for us. So Lord, speak in the stillness, quieten our minds, open our hearts. Let us be receptive vessels this night. For once again we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. I wasn't able to be with you this morning. We had every intention to be here, but I've got something wrong with one ear that's, I don't know what it is, there's something happening in there, but uh, it wasn't, I wasn't a happy bunny this morning. But many, many Christians today have got something wrong with both ears. In Matthew 24, the Lord was in the temple with his Uh, the temple courts with his disciples, and they asked about the end times. And, of course, he mentions about the wars and rumors of wars and the earthquakes and the pestilence. But three times in Matthew and 24, our Lord warns of deceit in the end times. In Matthew 24 and 24, I love it when it's the same word, it's easy to remember, And the Lord Jesus said, even the elect, even the Christian, even the believer, even the disciple will be deceived were it possible. And sadly, it is possible. When Paul was writing to his young, his trainee minister, young Timothy, he said this. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their evil desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers who will say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. People will hear what their itching ears want to hear they will hear an easy gospel. They will hear that there's no real need for repentance, that forgiveness isn't that important. Well, our passage today, from what we know as the Sermon on the Mount, following the Beatitudes, and the disciples had asked Jesus, look, how do we pray? Well, that was a relevant question. How do we pray? Teach us, Master, how to pray. And in most Bibles, this comes under what we call the red letter section. The words of Jesus actually printed in red. And as part of our passage, we have what's known as the Lord's Prayer. The family prayer. The disciples' prayer. And I remember even going back to our childhood at primary school. We very quickly learned what we know as the Lord's Prayer. And sometime, in some way, we say it all the way through our life. There are two dangers with Scripture. One is ignorance, and the other one is over-familiarity. And we can be deceived through the passages that have been so precious to us over many, many years. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, we do the Lord's Prayer. We, we recognize God. We recognize that he's in heaven. 
that his name is hallowed, that uh, we thank him for providing our breakfast, providing our food, providing our daily needs. Uh, he, he will forgive us and we can do his will. Oh, it's a lovely prayer. We can become over-familiar. And once you become over-familiar, it is very easy to be deceived. Verse 12 of our passage says this, Forgive us our trespasses or forgive us our debts as we also forgive those that trespass against us. Forgive us our things we've done wrong as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgiveness. It seems plain enough. But Jesus, the master teacher, the most wonderful teacher this world has ever known and will ever know, no, he highlights this passage in verse 14. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. And I just want to share for a little time tonight about conditional forgiveness. If we expect our Heavenly Father, our Holy God, to forgive us when we share the Lord's Prayer or whenever, we must in turn forgive others when they sin against us. The prayer is offered by faith to our Father. And the message is very clear. To be forgiven, we must first forgive and this is not just new teaching, looking right back to the psalm, Psalm 130 says this, Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ear be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that we can with reverence serve you. I remember one of the first times when Steve and I shared a service together and, and he brought this roll of uh, wallpaper, his lining paper. Uh, he was going to show uh, he was going to show everybody all the sins in, in uh, Steve's life and he said there's going to be a lot on it's a big long roll and of course the, the paper was empty because not only had he been forgiven, the slate had been wiped clean. Wiped clean. God forgives and forgets. And therefore, if we go to the Lord and we ask forgiveness for whatever, and then the next day we go again and say, uh, no, I came yesterday, Lord, and I asked forgiveness for this. And the Lord would say, I'm sorry, uh, gone, forgotten. He gives us a most wonderful passage. And this is grace. And if we want to know the blessed freedom of sins forgiven and forgotten, we must of necessity forgive others. God's forgiveness is conditional. In our humanness, the old nature, the old man, we want our cake and eat it. We want to receive forgiveness without forgiving others. But this message is for the Christian, it's for the believer, it's for the disciple. One who has taken those three steps 
of admitting to being a sinner. Of repenting from those, that sin. Of believing when Christ died upon the cross. He died to pay the price. And then to receive him as your saviour. This is what Cameron did last week. He shared the steps that he'd taken to be, become a Christian, to be saved. A Christian, one who having taken those three profound steps, finds that the slate has then been wiped clean. But the world is not interested. It's self first, not Christ. No admittance. It means there's no need of forgiveness. When in reality, this is what we all need. Growing up in Lancashire, we were all shocked in the early 1960s when one of the worst atrocities that happened in this country, what we know as the, Mur the Moors murders, where many children were taken from their homes, taken from the streets, and they were taken up onto the moors and they were murdered. And Hindley and Brady were eventually brought to justice. But one little boy, Keith Bennett, was never found. Thousands and thousands of pounds and countless man-hours were spent up on Saddleworth Moor trying to find this boy, trying to find the body of this boy. And his mum, Winnie Johnson, was absolutely distraught. She wrote to Brady, she wrote to him, please tell me where you are buried, my boy. And she could not get any peace. She was interviewed on the local television up in uh, Manchester, and they said, what about your faith? She said, oh yes, she said, I'm a Christian. She said, and I pray the Lord's Prayer every day. She said, but I leave out the bit about forgiving others. I cannot pray that because I cannot forgive them. Just a few years ago up on Plymouth Hall at one of the D-Day celebrations, one of the old veteran was asked about his experience and he said, yes, I'm a Christian. I've got my cross. He said, but I can never, ever, ever forgive for the things that I have seen during the battle of, on the war. In Madrid, a father and son had a fallout. And the father was absolutely distraught. You see, the thing is, once that word is out, once you've spoken it, once it's out, you can't take it back. You, you've heard the saying, oh, if I could only eat my words. You can't. You can't. And this man put a little advertisement in the Madrid newspaper and he said, Paco, I love you and I'm sorry and I forgive you. If you read this, meet me outside the newspaper offices on whatever day it was. And on that particular day, 800 packles turned up. 800 young boys in Spain looking for forgiveness. What a world we are living in. 
a senior psychiatric consultant, said this. 75% of people, of patients who have mental health problems, would have that dealt with and go on to live a normal life if they knew they could be forgiven. I think some of you know that I, I do some cover at Tor Bay and we, we cover the two mental health units up there. And I was asked to go and see a young man last week uh, and, and I said, what can I do for you? He said, I'm looking for absolution. Absolution, the forgiveness, to know the forgiveness of sin. I said, are you a Christian? He said, yep. I said, do you read your Bible? He said, every day. I said, well, just believe what the Bible says. That if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yes, I know that, but I need absolution. I need to know I am forgiven. I need to know. And I explained to him the little story of the boy who'd done something really wrong in his home. He'd broken something of his mum's and he was frightened of the consequences and he wrote on the little whiteboard stuck on the fridge, Mum, if you forgive me, wipe this clean. And he went and hid. And he kept peeping around the door. And the next time he looked, the board was clean. And this is what the Lord does with us. He forgives us. We have to forgive others. As Christians, as new creations... We've given a new heart, a new mind, a new attitude, a new nature, a new vision, and a new home waiting for us. But the old man keeps rising to the fore and seeks every opportunity to make havoc. And an unforgiving attitude is one of the easiest ways in this happens. Each one of us here in this place tonight has experienced hurt from another. We read in the scriptures where Paul's writing to the church in Galatians. He said, look, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? And it's always the whoever's. We can cope with the whatever's. It's the whoever's. Each one of us has known that someone as hurt some have easily forgiven and others maybe are still struggling you might say to me Derek you don't know you don't know what they said you don't know what they did no I don't but what I do know what I do know is that it is possible in the strength of the Lord to forgive and to move on and when we forgive and move on, we will know God's blessing. I remember as a young Christian, and uh, some of you do remember dear Harold Brighton's father, and uh, we used to go to him, Harold, what's all this about this? What's all this about this? And there was some situation where someone uh, had been really causing trouble. This is many years ago. And I went to him and, and I said, Harold, I said, uh, how do we deal with this? Because uh, I know about this forgiveness, and I was looking for a plan B. And Harold said, there isn't one. He said, you must forgive. But Harold, no. He said, you must forgive. 
that you will be forgiven and then you will know God's peace and you will know God's blessing. There is no plan B. There is no small print. Many years ago, one of the most irreverent comedy actors, uh, W.C. Fields, uh, was in his last days of dying and uh, he, his friends went to visit him and he was thumbing through this Bible and they were all a bit shocked because that's not the sort of thing he would be reading. <coughs> and they said, uh, well, what, what are you doing? He said, I'm just looking to see if there's a plan B. Well, there's no plan B for salvation. There's no plan B for getting into glory. And there is no plan B regarding forgiveness. God set the, pris- the principle. His word is his bond. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away, says the Lord. Paul writing from the prison cell in Rome to his beloved church in Philippi said this, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And amongst those all things is forgiveness. Forgiveness. And here is the key. That God never expects us to do something that we are not equipped for. Listen to Paul's letter. He's writing to the church in Ephesus. And he says this. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. You can't believe he's writing to Christians, can you? Bitterness, slander. Oh, goes on though, doesn't it? Forgive as you have been forgiven. And we can if we want to. The church in Coloss had the same uh, problems about this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with one another, forgive one another. If anyone has a grievance against you, against someone, forgive Just as the Lord forgive you. We could be here all night. We're not going to be looking at different passages on this conditional forgiveness. Both of these passages underline the necessity of forgiving another and the divine principle that goes behind it. Very shortly be Easter. And those wonderful words, the seven sayings of our Lord Jesus from the cross... One that stands out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Nineteen eighty-seven, Remembrance Sunday, in a skillen in Northern Ireland, the IRA planted a bomb just as the time of the two-minute silence. By the end of that day, Marie Wilson and nine other civilians were dead and others would die later. One of the girls, Marie Wilson, her father, Gordon, he refused to retaliate, saying that an angry word could neither restore his daughter nor bring peace to the country. 
Hours after the bombing, he was interviewed by the BBC in Northern Ireland. And he said this, I have lost my daughter and I shall miss her, but I bear no ill. I bear no grudge that will bring her back, that will not bring her back. Don't ask me, please, for a purpose. I don't have an answer, but I know if there has to be a plan. If I didn't think that, I would commit suicide. It's part of a greater plan, and we shall meet again. Those who have to account for this deed will have to face the judgment of God, which is beyond my forgiveness. It would be wrong for me to give the impression that gunmen and bombers should be allowed to walk the streets freely. But whether or not they are judged here on earth or in a court of law, I do my very best in human terms to show forgiveness. The last word rests with God. That man went on to be a tremendous peacemaker in Northern Ireland. People couldn't believe that he was not seeking revenge. He was not seeking retaliation. There's a wonderful book here. I'm not sure if I've mentioned it before. And it's called The Lost Art of Forgiving. If anyone wants to borrow it, please do so. It is just a most amazing book. In 2005, in Liverpool... A young 17-year-old lad, Anthony Walker, was taking his girlfriend home. They waited at the bus stop. It was night, just another day. Two men came out of a pub. They possibly were on, uh, they were definitely intoxicated, but they were probably on drugs as well. And they started making racist comments to Anthony. And... They turned away and walked away from them, ignored them. The two men ran to a car and one of them got an axe, a felling axe, out of the boot. And they chased Anthony Walker into the, car, into the park and they killed him with his axe. They were very quickly arrested and after the trial they were found guilty and given life imprisonment. And Mrs. Walker, along with her daughter, Dominique, who had gone to school with one, uh, one of the men that had killed her brother, was asked this, do you forgive them? And Mrs. Walker said this, forgive? Yes, I forgive them. Just as Jesus forgave on the cross, I forgave them because they know not what they do. I've got to forgive them, and I still forgive them. My family and I still stand what we believe, and that is forgiveness. She said she had never been any doubt about the verdict. It's been very hard going, but I feel that justice has been done. She acknowledged it would be difficult. The most precious thing she had, her boy, had been taken brutally and violently from her. One of Anthony's cousins described the teenager as a wonderful young man who had everything to live for. He was, in fact, a devout Christian. Could you forgive in those circumstances? In the cold light of day, probably not. But Gordon Wilson, Mrs. Walker, and many, many others have found that strength in God. They have found the ability to forgive. Yes, his grace is amazing. 
and his forgiveness is releasing. If we are determined to be active, fruitful, obedient Christians, working and witnessing till the Lord returns or calls us home, we must not be held back and we can be held back through unforgiveness. To forgive goes against our human nature, but as a Christian should be part of what is precious to us. To forgive, to move on, to know God's blessing, to know his peace, and to know his presence. The Lord bless his message to us even tonight. I just want us to spend just a few moments of quietness. Maybe there's a situation in your life. Someone has said this, done this, not done this. And you're holding it in your heart. Tonight's the night to release that. Just quietly lift them to the Lord. Say simply, Lord, you have forgiven me. Help me to forgive them. I want to know your peace, Lord. I want to know your blessing. I want to know your presence. I want to know your wonderful grace. It may have been something from many years ago. It may have been something from this morning, last week. Lord, in our hearts, we name this person and seek that freedom. We love you, Lord. You're a gracious and merciful God. Oh, Lord, help us this night. In Jesus' name. Amen. Our last, our last song is uh, 181. God forgave my sin in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.